I loved the workout. I would work out after workouts, before workouts. So that was going to be just some of the determination to outwork people was just pretty much in my DNA from day one. Welcome to the Broker Lord Podcast. I'm Derek Walchak, and today I get to travel to my home state of Tennessee to interview a guest who has retail development in her blood. She's worked with retail giants like Walmart, AutoZone, and O'Reilly, and has developed over 1,000 locations for more than 50 retailers in 40 states. This is a Broker Lord podcast that you absolutely don't want to miss. If you're a real estate agent and you have the desire to add rental income to your real estate fees, this is your show. I'm on the hunt to find one broker in each state who's made the transition from brokerage to ownership. That broker could own one property or like Karen, could own a thousand. I want to understand how did they find their first deal? How did they structure it? How did they find their money? And what advice did they have going forward? But first a word from Shannon Walchak, because they're the ones who make the Broker Lord podcast possible. The Broken Lord podcast is brought to you by the commercial real estate professionals at Shannon Walchak. Currently, Shannon Walchak is seeking unanchored retail strip centers and growing metro markets in the South and Midwest. With $75 million in buying power, Shannon Walchak is ready to close on the right properties. The ideal centers are between 10 and 40,000 square feet, are located in affluent neighborhoods, have a high concentration of service and food tenants, and can be bought at a seven cap or better. Do you have a center that fits this profile? Then Derek Walchak wants to talk to you. Email dw at shanwalt.com. That's dw at s-h-a-n-w-a-l-t.com. As hard as it is for young brokers to imagine, Walmart hasn't always been a household word. Long before they were on every corner of our retail landscape, Walmart was a small company being built by Sam Walton. Mr. Walton used many developers to help build out his empire. And one of those was David Hutton Sr. It's no surprise that David's children all worked in the family business at one time or another. But one of those children went further, built more, and created a far bigger mark on the retail world than her father could have ever imagined. I have Karen Hutton here today with me, actually in her office in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good morning. Good morning. To, to begin, Karen's a little bit different um, than a typical broker lord interviewee in that Karen is not a broker, uh, never has been. Um, but I think her skill set, her experience, and just what she's done um, has a lot of valuable information uh, that brokers can learn from. And so I, I, I made a little bit of an exception to kind of who we're typically interviewing for the show. Um, I'm really, really excited to have Karen. I think she is an awesome um, developer, uh, person, just a f- firebrand in our business. Remember the first time I actually met you uh, was at a party in Atlanta, I think three or four years ago uh, during ICSC. And Karen walks in and she just immediately looks and seems different in our industry. Just super interesting person, tons of energy, and then intensely listens to you when you're talking. And a lot of people in our business don't. If you talk to them and you look, their eyes are scanning behind you. Karen didn't do that. So I'm really excited to have Karen this morning um, here in um, here doing the podcast. So Karen, tell me about yourself and your company. What it, and, you know, in a couple sentences, what does your company do? We are a build to suit, single tenant, multi tenant. Uh, shopping center development company. Mm-hmm. We also have a construction arm that does 90% of our work, not all of our work. It also does third-party work for mm-hmm. national retailers across the country, uh, multifamily, self-storage, uh, launching 
development for car wash companies that are growing out there. Mm-hmm. Acquisitions uh, have to be doing dispositions and JV partnerships. Okay. We're located uh, at any one time in 17 states working, but we've developed in 40-something states. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot. Uh, so, so sticking with retail for the moment, mm-hmm. um, what type of retail developments do you d- do and have done in the past? Tell me about your history. Yeah, I mean, we started off uh, construction for AutoZone, doing remodels is how I started. Mm-hmm. Met Tom Holstead. He was the sole real estate department for Dollar General, who was really close to the Turner family. And Tom really gave me probably the best shot that anyone ever gave me, just wanting to develop me and let me understand how Dollar General developed people and gave me a chance to lease them buildings. And it's up another later on in life, I got an opportunity to put my name in the hat to do development as a fee program for them. But if it, hadn't, it started from that relationship. Tom. Yes. Then we... Um, did a lot of Dollar General's uh, first preferred development program for them, uh, knocked it out of the park, went on to do one for Family Dollar, knocked it out of the park, uh, did developments on other programs for O'Reilly's, morphed into diversifying the company with, with fresh, great leadership, understanding what level that really meant, took me many years, looking at our asset portfolio and really managing the asset portfolio versus just building it. Basically, you started off as developing, um, you know, these these opportunities. And they came one by one, and then you've grown into a huge retail co- development company. And then, how many years ago did you start to diversify in, in earnest with apartments, self storage, car wash? Yeah, so the apartment started a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Knew a gentleman that had, and this is about relationships and seeing and listening to people and being attracted to people that are kind of like minds, meaning doesn't mean you make decisions a lot, but just means you believe in working hard, being better than you were the day before, growing other people, trying to be <laughs> bigger than you were, uh, continue to grow, and that was Aaron Breeden. And he was with Wells Fargo at the time, and so I just kept in touch with him as he went on to do other things, and eventually he had left Wells Fargo, had gone to work for another company that did multifamily self-storage, but then Aaron and I were just talking, and I said, I didn't want to get into that, and we were just a good fit. Yeah. So, I just bought a center that um, I was looking at doing self-storage in half of it, but then we figured out, I said, the city really wants it to be multifamily, but I don't know if it's multifamily or not, mm-hmm. so can you evaluate it for me? He says, yes, that'll be great. And this is down in Plantation, Florida. Mm-hmm. It is going to be an awesome project, and it's under construction now. And it has a shopping center component to it. Mm-hmm. And my shopping t- uh, center development team, uh, Jennifer Greer and Becca Island, are overseeing the redevelopment of that as well. What was the, the thought behind that? I just thought it was really interesting and uh, be proud to do a great development for apartments. It looks great, feels great. It's going to have a workplace in it. Mm-hmm. And that just feels good. Yeah. As you talk to her, you quickly understand that the desire to push harder and go further has been with her from the start. Maybe we can say it's in her blood. One thing for sure, Karen Hutton loves and has really learned the lessons of hard work and determination that her father taught her. Her eyes are alight with excitement as she talks about her new projects, past successes, and the people who've been with her along the way. But this is just the beginning of her story. It seemed like nothing would stop this small town girl from Tennessee. My mom tells a story. She, 
we lived in a duplex, 410 Cedar Lane, and she went next door to, uh, to sit down and talk to Opal Wynn. They'd just built a fence around our yard to keep me in. <laughs> For you. For me. Okay. She looks up, and here I am coming across the yard. So I guess I climbed over the fence, and um, that wasn't going to hold me in. So I was just didn't see fear. I mean, I think a lot of kids are like that. I probably didn't see fear, but also didn't see boundaries and rules either, which was kind of trying for my parents. As far as getting out of the yard and playing, I was kind of a little mischievous like that, like I was a little daring. Yeah. So that's kind of the way I grew up, playing with the, the boys, um, football, basketball, baseball, plastic ball. Right. Right. Bicycling. I mean, those were motorcycling. I mean, those were all the things we did growing up. So there you are in Pulaski. And what does your what does your dad do for a living? So dad started off um, at a furniture store, a cable business, running cable um, down in Dallas and Florida, mm-hmm. and then developed his first shopping center in Pulaski and eventually was a shopping center developer for Walmart. And how did he get that Walmart gig? That was that a big deal then, or it was a huge deal. He was actually doing Big K, and Walmart was trying to buy Big K, and I think he'd also got an opportunity. Walmart had called on him about some property that he already had tied up for Big K, but eventually Walmart was at a place, and Big K wasn't that they bought Big K out. So all of his leases then converted to Walmart's, and oh. he was very cooperative and understood the opportunity and. It's really low rent, three dollars and twenty five cents a foot, but yep. they were forty thousand, seventy thousand, one hundred ten, fifteen thousand square foot buildings. Let's go back to your dad for a second. So he is running cable, doing construction. He always built. He felt like knowing, um, being able to control the timing of his developments and understanding costs will be very important. Mm-hmm. So he always built all of his own, which is why I got into construction and why I felt like that was necessary because I just heard he said, you, you want to be able to control your delivery dates. If you don't know what you don't know. You don't know your unit costs. and Yeah, you got to go figure it out. And so it's taught me how to really problem solve and figure things out because obviously I didn't know anything about construction. What do you think gave him the gumption to, did he build that first shopping center in Pulaski? He did. Buy it? So what gave, that, that's what I'm curious, like that first deal. I think fear of not ever being something. And he grew up as a sharecropper. Uh, family being very poor, moving, um, you know, doing food. You, you know, they grew their food, they milked the cows, they did the crops, picked cotton on other people's land in order to pay for their to allow them to live there and have the food for their benefit. Mm. And so, coming from that with nine kids, and during the Depression, nineteen thirty was when he was born. You can imagine what they're going through, what the whole economy is going through, but much less if you're poor, you're just even poorer. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for some reason resonated and instilled in him to be not live like that. He's got to do something different. He's got to do something different. And he didn't meet a stranger. He knew how to talk to people. He was trustworthy, integrity, all those qualities that I take very seriously myself today. And when he got his first opportunity – uh, to buy out the furniture store that was in b- bankruptcy, which was Dixie Furniture Store. A lady at the church, uh, who was wealthy, loaned him the money to make that first investment. Relationships. 
This is a lesson we hear time and time again on the Broker Lord podcast. Most successful individuals, regardless of the field, can point to those people who were seminal in giving them their break at the right time. But the inner drive, the discipline to work harder and to demand more of yourself is something that comes from within. And Karen has that in spades. Went to uh, University of North Alabama uh, on a scholarship for tennis and basketball, played there a year and just wanted to play for a bigger school. So I went and registered, made the team at Alabama and played there. That was a huge commitment, which I loved the workout. I would work out after workouts, before workouts. So that was going to be just some of the determination to outwork people was just pretty much in my DNA from day one. Went to Houston after college, found a leasing opportunity there with Bramley Limited. I did odd and jobs for a year and <laughs> cleaning parking lots because I knew how to clean parking lots from dad's being punished, so I knew how to do that. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't afraid to go up and say, can I clean your parking lot and get paid? <laughs> Crazy stuff I did, working uh, at nights at uh, UPS during the, the holiday season and all the turkeys being delivered. I would do that till 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, selling signs. Uh, so I had about three jobs at one time and um, then eventually got an interview with Bramalee and Knew a few, few words to say, common and maintenance taxes and insurance, leasing, and I got hired. So that was my step there. And that company, the Harold Steele, the owner uh, of the VP of the company at Bramble was from Chattanooga. Okay. So that's how I ended up making it back to Chattanooga. Gotcha. And then, um, so then you went to work for your dad. My dad said, well, you could help me with leasing. He's never had anyone. He did all the leasing. And so looked in his um, files and... I just never looked back. I just started realizing how much work there was to be done, and it was very fun. And at the time, um, a lot of Refco had was had gone bankrupt. Super X had gone bankrupt. A couple other folks had gone bankrupt. He had these eight thousand square foot boxes in all of his shopping centers, mm-hmm. which would have been next door, like a junior anchor to yeah. the grocery store. Yeah, to the Walmart. Okay, Walmart. or the grocery store. Yes, either one. And so I started getting my relationships developed in that way. And so I was subdividing a building in Humboldt, Tennessee that was a Walmart, and I was putting Dollar General in it. I'd done the lease for that, and I'd been calling AutoZone every every month for a year saying, when are you going to come to these small towns? When are you going to come to these small towns? And I would just tickle it for every 30 days I'd call them back. Mm -hmm. Finally, I called and said, you know, we're getting ready to go look at those small towns, you said. You know, Lexington, Kentucky, Lexington, Tennessee, um, Humboldt, Tennessee, Lewisburg, Tennessee, Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. I mean, I hit the— Columbia, I hit the I hit the lottery because those are all wow. where my dad had centers. And so, uh, one of the gentlemen, Ed Stutler, remember it like it was yesterday. He walks in, introduced myself. Said, "Well, what are you doing with your drawings?" And he says, "We'll send them out to bid." Mm-hmm. It just came out of my mouth. <laughs> Can I bid on that? Had no idea what I was even asking to do. Obviously, right. he said, "Sure." And he knew he didn't have any idea what he just said either, because <laughs> I had no you know I had no knowledge, no nothing. Like I told you up front, this isn't going to be a normal episode of the Broker Lord podcast. And Karen's story is just getting started. So to recap, at this point, Karen is leasing properties for her dad. She saw the opportunity to move in a new direction and get a bigger piece of the pie. And this kind of jump isn't for the faint of heart. With greater risks comes greater hope of greater rewards. This bold move was a defining moment in Karen's career. I went back home and said, hey, I'm going to bid on this AutoZone. And of course, they sent me the plans and... I worked hard and went over it and cut the numbers, and we won. 
Okay. And the first job, I made $76,000, and my dad said, I don't think you're supposed to make that much. <laughs> I went, and I think he was a little mad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was a lot of That's money. That's a lot of money. I, then, I didn't yeah. even know it was a lot of money. So that was in 1994 yeah. or 93. And I said, well, you know, he says, Call them and give it back. Give some of it back. I mean, I worked really hard for the money, for one thing. I mean, yeah. I camped out over there. I laid the tile. I picked up those 25-pound boxes of floor tile. Yeah. So it was a lot of work. Um, he just saw the results come in in 30 days and thought, what the heck? Yeah. S- something, something squirrely happened over there. And right. Call them and tell them you made too much money. And I said, are you serious? He says, yes. So I said, okay. Hey, Ed. <laughs> Called wow. Ed back and said, I may have made too much money. I made seventy six thousand. What do you think? Should I give some of this back? Do y'all want some? He goes, "Do not ever call me back and tell me that." And Seriously? he just lucked out. So, and he kind of hung up on me. I said, yeah. "Dad, they don't. I don't shouldn't be calling and doing that again. I'm not. Don't tell me to do that again." By the way, seriously. <laughs> so I did. I did the auto zones and started doing those. And all of his centers won the bid, won the bid, and then I started to go into other people's centers. I had to get a license. So I went up to Nashville, studied on site, did not know what I was trying to figure out, how concrete circumference going through a pipe is going to swell it, blah, blah, you know. So I figured all this stuff out, which I didn't study for, obviously, passed the test, and then got my license in about 15, 17 states. I'd fly all the country, get in West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. You're building. So I wasn't ground up yet, and I was renovation, so I didn't really call myself a construction person. I was doing renovation, you know, in Texas and Mississippi, and so I was all over. I'd go meet at every site, get the yellow pages out, call the subs, and that's that's what I did. So that's really how I got my start. Wow. So then you're with your dad, and then at some point you— He fired me. So He fired you? He fired me. Oh, this is a good story. It is a great story, and it wasn't good at the time, but sure. I had started a construction company in 94— to do these remodels for AutoZone. Okay. So he said I was doing too much. It made him nervous. <laughs> I had. I, He's pro- you probably made him nervous his whole I mean, life. He was used to coming in. He 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 was the point person and had four or five people his entire life. Okay. And he built his own centers. I was doing the leasing and property management. I started a roofing company when I was there to maintain all the roofs because it's hard to figure out what the costs were. It was our biggest expense. Yes. And then I started the construction company when I started doing these remodels. So I was off doing remodels, plus doing the leasing. And then I started working on refinancing. And so I'm just there, you know, just killing it and having a ball. And um, he said, you don't need to be doing this anymore. You need to go do your own thing. And I hope that you doing your own thing, that he really did see I would do better things. And he was holding me back. Mm-hmm. And so looking back, I hope that really that's what it was and that he knew better than I knew that I needed to go do something better, which is what I did. Like, how do you see him differently now that he's passed? Like, I mean, you, I'm sure you had a view on him before and mm-hmm. after and how's, how's that changed? And so looking back at um, him, um, we, we got to go through and appreciate one another for who we each were mm. I forgave him for things. He accepted me for me. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't much at the end that I didn't understand and know about him. I mean, I had to look back and talk to him about being a sharecropper. I said, you know, what was it like being a sharecropper, working in the hot sun? And his answer would be, we didn't know any different. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> and so I go, oh, Okay. <laughs> A lot of things I didn't know any different. I'm naive about a lot of things or 
have been and still am about things, which keeps me really going and pushing because I don't have reasons not to. I haven't given myself excuses not to. I don't think like that. They didn't have a choice. They didn't think like that. So I really believe his ethics, his family, what they had to do when I look back on them and realizing how easy I have it in a totally different way, that those roots are really true and dear to me and something I don't ever want to forget and know that that's part of who I am. I mean, does it make you want to find people in life in that same spot? From the beginning, I've hired people with no high school education. I hired people with high school education. It's not really that. It does tell you someone's persistence and where they've been and what they had to do to get there. But it all comes down to the DNA. Um, depends on the level you're hiring for, but you know, obviously, experience the DNA of that person, the character that they have, and how are they going to fit into the culture of our company is what it's brought to. And if you can bring someone that has those things, that's awesome. It's hard to find people at the sharecropper level. Sure, of but, course. You know, you, gotta, you know, but. For those things, you find ways to give back to the community, whether it's CGLA or uh, the, the different schools here locally. That's where I find to do with my money. But to find people to here run the company, they're coming in at different levels, but you still want the same great things for them. Yeah, I and get it. And the limitation is them. It's not us. Because you set the platform up and and people can run as hard as they want and be as successful as they want to be Absolutely. Here. Let's go back to just deals in general. Sure. You've done over a thousand build to suits, which is we have freaking amazing. Of those thousand, what what's the one that you're most proud of? I tell you, one we did. I've got several, but one that just hits me. There's a picture right there on the wall. Okay, you know we're two or three days from turning over a Walmart store in Athens, Georgia. Okay, and. This one had an outside GC that we were working with, and we could just tell they weren't catching on to how serious we were about meeting the date. So I took a team, probably eight or ten people from the office, and um, went there, and we did everything from putting together the shopping cart corrals to mulching to laying sod. It had – I think it had – Nine or ten bioretention ponds, just a huge project. Access road off to another road had three across a bridge that we built. All eyes from Walmart were on that site. The managers were coming out. Everybody was saying, "You're not going to make this. We're paving it." Okay. Two o'clock in the morning, and we're turning over that morning. But is that well. your face and all? I mean, is that you? I'm in two of them. Okay, so Karen's in the first picture. Basically, and I was going around cleaning every. Um, I was sweeping the parking lot and taking a shovel and getting all the gravel that had been left debris. And um, You're on a skid steer. Yeah, skid steer, which I'd never driven one. And I've been filling up the bucket of that skid steer all day. <laughs> I mean, I had a great team. You know, it was Matt Phillips and Jason Geraci. Um, God, we had so many good people that were working hard. And we've got pictures of us all staying together and the, you know, the pavement, the heat's coming up off the paving at yeah. night. And great partners, hard workers, both different companies today. Um, mm-hmm. but tenacious and we were all in the foxhole together and I probably think it's got to be their top one or two things of, of what they've something they've done in their life that they felt like was just well over and beyond 
that we never thought we could do or did do, and no one believed we could do it either. And so you got it done on time. We got it done on time. That's awesome. All right, so you mentioned that um, you're about to kick off a car wash concept. What's the name? Mod Wash. Mod Wash, M-O-D-W-A-S-H. Yes. Okay, and I actually looked this up earlier online, and what I love about Karen is she has a style. Uh, If you go to ICSC, she probably has the most unique booth where you just know it when you see it, that that's Hutton Company. Um, It says fun. It says I'm an expert. Um, So in some of the styling, at least on the logo for Mod Wash, is very similar, maybe a little bit more color. So what what are you trying to accomplish with Mod Wash? Well, I had a couple of – I was developing for a couple of car wash companies, and we were going to grow really big, and it just didn't work out. But I had a lot of people thrown at it, finding a lot of great sites – uh, and so, due to reasons, uh, we had to pivot. Mm-hmm. And pivoting meant now you don't have a car wash operator, but you've got a lot of sites and you've even got some under construction. And what do you do? And we, I said, we've got to figure this out. Uh, let's find the right person to run it. Let's find the CEO. And that guy became Hans Weger. And it will be up to Hans to grow that brand. Okay. Um, I'm going to be the developer. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, other developers can come. I mean, if we get sites, I mean, we'd love to own every site ourselves and develop it and, and, and do that ourselves it's from the landlord's perspective. So we hope we get a lot of sites coming our way. But uh, Hans Weger is now forming the team. And we've got our first two car wash folks on board, Joe McDonald, who was with ICWG, and then another gentleman, uh, Kevin Spivey, who is with a car wash company prior to um, coming on board with Mod Wash. What does this wash do? How is it in- different or, you know, is it full service? It's going to be your uh, express car wash, and it's going to be driven by um, positive attitude. We're going to be giving back to the communities. We're going to figure out ways to involve a local high school students and local veterans if possible. Mm. Um, so we want to be... Uh, the best car wash company, I will say the Chick-fil-A of car washes, mm. if I can say that. Yeah. So if you think about that and the quality of service and the positive attitude, getting the customer through with the least amount of resistance, feeling the best and feeling great when they leave, 14 to 20 free vacuums. You know, we have the microfiber tiles. We're going to have a little gift to give out. We're going to have great people running around trying to help you and service you, help you sure. feel like a king or queen when you, live, you know, leave, leave there. Should be a lot of kids' first jobs, mm. and so to get them and their foundation of once they leave Modwash and go to do something else or to college, we want people to know that kids that leave there have had a great experience and have been expected to do a lot, know a lot, learn a lot, <laughs> and have done a lot. So similar to the Hutton background, Hans is a lot like me in expectations. Uh, we're going to drive that through the the Modwash culture. I love it. I have a 15-year-old son, and he's looking right now for a job. And I would that's exactly – what you just described <laughs> is exactly what we're looking for. And it's hard work. I mean, but guys, getting that's out good. and scrubbing a car some or and, and running around in the sun and having a cool shirt on that's going to have the Mod Wash logo, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, pepping your step to you know you're excited about getting to work, being the best, outperforming your coworker, but feeling great and making sure your coworker is also doing a great job too. And it's together you are building a brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exciting. That's kind of what we're looking for and obviously having a, a great clean car. All right. So if I'm a broker and I think I might have a site, give me the geography you're looking at, the square footage of dirt. Yeah, depending on the uh, – we are in Florida all the way up the East Coast up to – New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Maryland. 
So staying on the eastern seaboard, or are you going to— Kind of come in a little bit, but that's kind of the the states we've hit. Would you be in Tennessee? You know, we would like to probably have one close here. Sure. We can go see it, touch it, feel it, that kind of thing. What's the minimum traffic count you want to see? Uh, We would like uh, 24,000. Okay. Depending on the size market, if you're in a smaller market um, that has at least 30,000 trade area uh, for that particular site and you don't have any competition, then you can have your traffic counts can be a little bit less. And as you get more dense markets, of course, you want 30,000, 35, 40, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as you can get. Sure. So obviously, the, the, the intended audience for this are commercial real estate brokers across the United States. What are some of the most successful brokers? What are the traits that are common to them? Understanding development. So the more knowledgeable you are about real estate and understanding what it takes to develop a site versus finding a piece of dirt, but understanding the dirt is vital. Secondly, you want them to be able to resolve those title issues and things you're having and have a great relationship with the owner of the real estate and with the city, if it's in a city they are in. Uh, Sometimes it's not, and that's fine too, but understanding that they can run and do things for you that will help you get it across the finish line faster. Because I don't make money, I don't get paid until we start closing on the dirt, and then I still don't get paid till we turn it over and the first month's rent comes in. So the faster we do that and the better we do it is what's going to define us and them from any other person, developer, or broker doing it. All right, so if for some reason they passed a law in the United States that said Karen can no longer deal in real estate at all. You can't do retail, you can't do apartments, you can't do self-storage, et cetera. What do you do vocationally if um, for some reason you, you could not do real estate anymore? It's a tough question. If it's today, <laughs> this age, <laughs> I've made some money. Uh, I would probably you know, really dedicate some to some nonprofits and figure out how to give and, and be more time uh, available versus just money available. Mm-hmm. I'd be given more time. This has been a fantastic uh, interview. and Thank you. When people can understand how people tick and how they think, I think you can really get a measure of a person, and um, I'm a big fan of yours. So well, thank you. Thank you for your time. No, I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Getting your free Broker Lord t-shirt is easy. Subscribe to the podcast and review it online. Then email us at Derek at BrokerLord.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at BrokerLord.com. Let us know your size and address, and the t-shirt is yours. Supplies are limited, so get your t-shirt today. Do you ever have times in your life where you meet somebody and they are a clear outlier of the kind of people that you're used to meeting? That's the way I felt when I first met Karen Hutton. She's got this passion, this drive, this intense energy, um, and this kindness, too. Usually you see people who are super driven and you know they don't so much care about people. Karen's the opposite. She's driven, but she also loves people and people love her. I came away from this interview feeling like, A, I'm not doing nearly the kind of job I should be doing. I think there's a piece of her because she was in sports and was coached hard. Um, honestly, she reminded me a little bit of Coach Saban where she's got a plan, she's got the process, her team understands it, and those that can't keep up, they're out of there. But those that do keep up succeed and do super well in the organization. If you have questions, reach out to me. Send an email to Derek at BrokerLord.com. That's Derek with five letters, D-E-R-E-K at BrokerLord.com. Again, a special thanks to our sponsor, Shannon Walchek, a commercial real estate firm that offers property management, brokerage, and real estate investments. Find us on the web at ShanWalt.com. That's S-H-A-N-W-A-L-T.com. 
hit that subscribe button and follow me as I talk to brokers in all 50 states. I promise you it will be worth your time if you're a broker, a student, or you just want some really good facts to throw out at your next cocktail party. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Derek Walchuk, and this is the Broker Lord Podcast.